Welcome to the Chicago Home Partner Podcast. I'm Amanda McMillan. Along with my co-host, Samuel Shahan, we discuss the Chicago real estate market. Our goal is to educate you on what's actually happening out there and how it impacts your real estate goals. And we're back. We're back. Episode 14. We have some fantastic topics today. Yeah. Thanks to everyone for, for sending them in. And please remember, keep on keep DMing us. Them. Keep sending out. Yeah. We love we love to hear from you. Yeah. Today we're talking about the mansion tax. Ooh. What's going on with that? That's a big topic. That's a big topic. Um, what are the top benefits of using a buyer's agent? There's a lot going on in the press right now about that. Exactly. Um, interest rates. What's going on with them? We have no idea. Right. <laughs> what else? Um, let's see. Some fun stuff. Best uh, Amazon home hacks that we've purchased recently. There's some good stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, winners and losers in Q3. Definitely some interesting data coming out of that. Yeah. Our, we're starting a new segment this, this month. Uh, this episode, we're going to do neighborhood spotlights. Every yeah. month, we're going to highlight another neighborhood. I'm very excited about today. It's one that's near and dear to my heart, Logan Square. Um, we're going to hit on that one, which is so great. Fun. And then we're going to wrap up with buying and selling in 2024 and kind of what people should be thinking about and doing right now. So yeah. we have a lot to talk about. We do. So let's dive in. Let's dive so, in. Mansion tax. Is it a good plan? So tell everybody what the mansion tax actually is. So the mansion tax is a, a taxation program that is being discussed and voted on at the present time. Yep. Essentially high level, it is a tax and there's a couple variations of it. It keeps getting amended and changed. <laughs> but the thought process behind it is, should we be taxing the higher priced residential real estate sales at a higher level and should we be pricing the lower priced ones at a lower level? So, so currently there's, when you buy and sell real estate, there's something called a transfer tax stamp. Yes, you buy your way into Chicago and you and buy your way out. I like to say it's a sales tax. It's like <laughs> buying a t-shirt, buying totally. anything else. But cost of business. There is a cost to purchasing and, and selling homes here yes. in Chicago. So that's what this is doing. Exactly. Is it's transitioning what's already in place and creating a, instead of a unilateral price, it's creating this dichotomy of a price. Previously, yeah. everybody paid the same number, but the thought process is now is to tier that to say that properties under a million dollars, that's the latest reiteration of it, yeah. are basically going to be taxed at a slightly lower number than yeah. they are now. Six. And the properties between a million and a million five are going to go to a significantly higher number. It's like 200 percent of like what's actually there it's a it's a big big so increase it's a huge increase it's going from 0.75 to two percent and then it would be tiered even more so above that so it'll yes. go all the way up to three percent yep as the property values go up yeah. so essentially the idea is so not profit. why are why are we doing this why are we doing this why does brandon our our mayor want this so the, the cause behind this was so that we put more money to work with our, our issues with homelessness, right? Yep. So that we have more funds to put towards solving that issue and creating more solutions, yeah. which in theory, the thought processes are all good, positive yeah. thought processes. But there, as we talk a lot about, there's a lot of things that aren't being discussed and aren't being thought about in this yeah. and where there could actually be some pretty negative ramifications that when you first digest the information, don't even come to mind. Well, yeah. I mean, in theory, it sounds amazing, right? right? You're like, right? okay, cool. Yeah, tax. Like, I understand we're going to spend a little bit more if you're if you have a higher 
property because you have more money and it's going to go towards homelessness. But what are the, what do you think is the number one issue with this at the moment? Well, the number one issue that's not being discussed is that there's already a lot of funds budgeted towards homelessness in Chicago on an yeah. annual basis. And the problem is not that. The, that is fantastic. The problem is, is that of all the budgeted funds, the city has only been using about a third of those funds. Yeah. So we already have it budgeted and we're not yeah. using the majority What's of what is already budgeted, but we're talking about putting more money into the hopper. So right off yeah. the bat, that just, that causes pause. pause. It yeah. causes doubt. It causes yeah. us to question the, the piece. So in my opinion, that's the first question that I have to ask is if, if we're not using the funds that are already allocated for that issue. National funds. Yes. In state funds. Exactly. This isn't like city funded initiatives. This is something that's more. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. It's something higher that's coming. We are literally getting federal money from. That is not being used. The state that's not being used. So. And so that's the hard part. The issue number two, in my opinion, the things that aren't really being thought about is I think it's very easy to say higher price properties and people just to think automatically of. A, a higher value, higher net worth person buying those properties. Yeah. But we live in a, a city, we live in a metropolitan area where in general, properties are expensive. Yep. So where we, I don't ever mean to talk about money flippantly, but a million dollars isn't what it is in certain areas. Yeah. And so I don't always think that we're necessarily thinking through all of the people that are going to buy properties above a million dollars. Yeah. So one of the big things that we talk a lot about, right? There's been a lot in the news about commercial, commercial. There's been a lot in the news about immigrants. There's a lot of things talking about people come here to start new and to grow, right? One of the things that we see a lot, especially from our immigrant population Mm. is that they tend to want to buy multi-unit properties where the entire family, different generations can live together, right? Mm -hmm. It is a means for them to get a nicer property in a nicer neighborhood for a lower cost, but that cost typically is going to be over a million dollars in a lot of neighborhoods. So right off the bat, we're taking a population of people that are coming here to try and grow and try and start a new phase of their life. And those aren't necessarily the same people that I think a lot of the consumers are just thinking, taxation of the rich, so to say. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're making that more difficult for people to kind of start in that. So our multi-generational, multi-unit, whoa, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? <laughs> multi-generational, <laughs> multi-unit purchasers absolutely will have some yeah. impact on it. Secondarily, almost on that same, that same line, new businesses, right? This isn't yeah. including those storefronts that you see up and down our streets. The more popular locations of those storefronts are going to come more. with big price tags because people are trying to start businesses. They're trying to grow. They're trying to do all that aspect. And if you tell them that all of a sudden it's going to cost them more, that's going to, that's going to hit them harder because yeah. they may not be able to start up that business. They, well, may they already be able- have like the build out costs. They have like all the other costs associated with for certain business for certain. And then the yeah. other thing, right? What has been the, one of the buzzwords of the last three years, inventory, yes. we have had major issues with inventory. And this type of tax is going to absolutely go after developers, right? Yes. And, and yes, people can say, oh, their profit margins Mm. can be lower. The problem is, is that right now, a lot of developers have paused their building because the profit margins are so low right now because of interest rates, the cost of dirt, the cost of supplies, labor shortages, all those things are causing our developers 
to stay, yeah. take a step back and pause because there isn't enough profit in, in them doing their business. If they're not doing their business, we're not getting inventory back. If we're not getting yeah. inventory back, that is trickling all the way down to all of the other markets from that perspective. Well, I think a lot of it also has to do with like going from the trickle effect is the commercial aspect because a lot of it is the downtown properties. And right now we're at the highest vacancy that we've ever experienced, especially in the last 75 years. And so they're saying, all right, well, A, those part those pricing on those home or on those commercial spaces are coming down. Yeah. So I mean that is something that we're not taking into effect when we're budgeting for it. Yep. Is you're already hitting a hard hit market, and so that's why this has been such a big thing for certain. And when you look at budgeting, if that is coming down, then it we budget our annual budgets based on commercial and residential taxes and if we're not getting as much from the commercial side it needs to shift somewhere for certain so the other thing that i think that a lot of people aren't thinking about is the renters the renters are saying hey i sure absolutely yeah let's let's tax the people that are spending more money but i think what they're not thinking about the right there's there's no impact on them they're trying to save up they're trying to get into that property but if the rental that they're living in costs more than a million dollars their landlord paid that money and is going to pay that tax and is going to pay those elevated costs. And the reality yeah. is, is it's going to cause rents to go up if the cost yeah. of doing that business goes up as well. Yeah. And that's a lot of like the newer construction. Well, I think it's them, but I also, I also think that it's your four unit buildings. Yes. It's your eight unit buildings. It's all yeah. of those residences, right? You live in a two bedroom apartment in Lakeview. If somebody's buying that building, they're probably paying more yeah. than a million dollars for it. Yeah. And they're going to raise totally. rents. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the one like thing that most of the people who are like super for it are saying is like, hey, you know what? They're increasing rents anyway already. But a lot of that has to do with property taxes Mm -hmm. because we've seen our property taxes go up significantly over the last couple of years. And landlords will always do something to cover their costs. Yep. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to sell the building. That's the reason why they're doing this. Yeah. Is it's an investment strategy. So no, and I think that's the I think that's the backside of it, right? Is that I think that overall. We're trying to implement something in a time in the market where if it costs more for for people to buy and sell properties, less people are going to want to buy and sell properties. Yeah. And the reality is, is if we do that in a time when we already don't have enough inventory and affordability has become a, a, a hard to accomplish for a lot of people, yeah. this is something that in, in my opinion can actually make properties less affordable because yeah. everyone's going to be looking to try and figure out where those numbers come and it's going to trickle from this market all the way down to our rental market. Yeah. And I just think that it's, in theory, I think that there are some concepts that could be definitely taken from it, but I think in the way that they're trying to push it forward and I think that there's a lot of people that could get um, get in the short end of the stick on this one yeah. um, that aren't just aren't being considered right now. Yeah, We're going to know more next year yeah. when it actually goes to vote. Yep. Um, so but Lori it is... Lightfoot canceled it last year yep. when she was in office. So this time we're seeing if the council will actually put it on the ballots, which is in March. And so that will put it to all of us to vote for it. Yeah. So, so, so I think it's, I mean, the really big thing to take away, thing. it's a very important topic. It impacts everybody. It really yeah, does. It does. And I think it's important for people to understand how it could actually impact them. Um, because I think a lot of people are just turning a blind eye. And that when it comes time to vote, you you figure out what, what the vote is you want to support. Yeah. So. All right. So what are the top benefits of using a buyer's agent? Spending time with you. 
Oh, yes. Thank you. We well, do represent a fair amount of, of buyers. We I mean, do I think have we're, a lot of buyers. We're typically 60% buyers, 40% sellers right now. So, I mean, at least in the last year. Um, I think it's there's a ton of benefits to using it. Well, I think the important thing to note is that there's a lot in the news and the media these days yeah. about buyer's agency and the value of it, right? Yeah. And it's funny, I get the question a lot as more of a joke than anything else. People say, are, is my job from a buyer's perspective going to become extinct, right? Am I no longer going to be necessary? Which is a little heartbreaking if you I don't but. necessarily think that. I think it's going to weed out the bad buyer's agents versus the good ones. And For I think sure. that is like what everything does. There's Whenever there's a shift, that's what's going to always No, happen. for certain. And it's similar to like now with the market shifting. 60,000 agents got out of the market this year. But yeah. at the end of the day, like... Survival it, of the fittest. <laughs> it's always the survival of the fittest. But no... I mean, like from... So Samuel, what do you bring to my equation as a buyer? Yeah, totally. So I bring 14 years of knowledge and expertise helping all these other people through these transactions. When I meet on buyer consultations, we talk about that. You, as a buyer, typically only go through a transaction once every five, maybe 10 years. So you don't really get to see the ins and outs of what's changing and what is impacting real estate and impacting that transaction. Especially right now when transactions are kind of, it's, it's a fight, it's a yeah. battle right now to get to the finish line. And so if you don't know what standard practices are, if you don't know what different ways to react or do things, then that's going to affect it. No, it's, I mean, I always say, I think it's how we, I think you're 1000% right. You know, all of the information is out there technically, totally. right? You can find just about anything. anything you want on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. It's all out there. You can find the properties. I can probably find a few more. You can probably find a few more. We can dig more creatively. Yeah. But the reality is, is that the information is out there. What most consumers lack is the ability to digest that information, to advise in that yeah. information, and to navigate in its information. Here's a great story. A lot of people think we're door openers. Oh, well, they're, I mean, to be fair, I usually like the, the, <laughs> the terminology, <laughs> waitresses, order takers, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people in our industry that literally say, what properties do you want to see? Which one did you like? Yeah. Okay, what do we do next? That's That's not... A real estate advisor in our totally. opinion right that is that is part of the industry but not us and here's a great story i'm actually something that i'm navigating now on a lot of different aspects is that i have a client that was working with another agent unfortunately she went through the entire process with another agent and bought a property oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is bought a property story. earlier this spring that as soon as moving into it within two weeks realized she loved the building she loved the location the property was not the right fit yeah it didn't suit her uh, there were some some specific issues with the property that wasn't right. She loved the building. She loved everything about it. She got referred to me because she to was... To clean it up. To clean it up. Essentially. Right? I can't clean my house well, but I can clean up real estate messes really well. <laughs> so with that being said, she essentially wanted to sell that unit and buy another unit in the building. Okay. So that, we can do that, but it got a little messier. As we started to dig in and investigate... I found out that they're... Yeah, you doing your homework, doing my homework as a standard real estate broker. Right. So what does that homework do? I digested all of the information of what was happening in the building. Now, one could say, hey, that buyer just went through the transaction with somebody else and they probably just digested it all and clearly she was okay with it. So maybe I just take an easy one, take the easy sale and move on. 
sorry, that's not, that's not who I am and that's not how I work. So I went through and I digested everything. As I started to digest everything, I noticed that there was some information in the meeting minutes that talked about a very large plumber rising project coming in in the next year or two. I mean, really large, like the six and a half million dollar large uh, yeah. project. So really, really big. I went back to my client and I said, hey, are you aware of this? And she said, yes. And I said, did you do anything in your last transaction about this? She said, no. And I said, I don't trust that. I'm going to call every sale in this building, every buyer's agent that closed in this building in the last 12 months, and I'm going to ask how they handled it. I found out how each one of them handled it, and most of them did very, very large credits or, or put money into escrow to help weather the storm because the project was for, was warned yeah. about. So, of course, I had to go back to my client. I had to explain to her that, unfortunately, on Ooh. her purchase, she got the short end of the stick, but that I was at least going to make sure that moving forward, she was in a better perspective. Moving forward, we got her a, a, essentially just under a $20,000 credit. $20,000, gosh, I think I earned That's my keep there. Right? I think yeah. I think I had value in that. Uh, so we we got a $20,000 credit for her to handle some of that uh, that repair moving forward because we knew yeah. that it was something that was coming. Now, obviously, the other agent had the ability to have that same information. The buyer had the ability to have that information. They all had that information, but they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. But we were able to go in, we were able to figure out a solution to move forward, to keep her protected, to get her funds to take on this repair yeah. that's going to come in the building and to make sure that that and all it took was a little bit more due diligence on our side yeah. of how to navigate that situation and how to do well so once again i earned but that's also coming with years of experience and and understanding what was going what was, on what was well. reasonable what yeah, was reasonable exactly. for certain um and so it was a little bit of a sad story because obviously my client has to suck up the fact that her first agent didn't do it or if she yeah. and she didn't have she didn't have the mental understanding of the process to know that that was something that she could do yeah but at least we took care of her in this situation and we're going to clean up that next mess next um but it is yeah. it is absolutely that it's understanding totally. that our experience knows when to push when to take the foot off the gas when to say hey i would walk away from this situation you know yeah. As I always say, especially during the housing crisis, my, my husband called me the dream crusher because I talked more people out of buying and selling real estate, right? If your real yeah. estate agent who only gets paid by helping you buy and sell real estate is talking to you out of things, that's good advice from that yeah. perspective. So I'm with you on that. Um, I think our, our biggest value add is essentially what we have up here, which is from, from I mean, between the two of us where we're going on almost 40 years of experience, yeah. right? So yeah. that's a lot of experience. That's a lot of navigations. That's a lot of working through situations. Um, and that's something that I don't think that you can, you can really, really put a value on at the end yeah. of the day. We, not only we, do we help them here, but we set them up for more success later in their, yep. later in their lives with their properties as well. Yeah. So. Love that. So we're pro buyer's agents for certain. Pro buyer's agents. Ooh, here we go. Ready? I'm going to swing right. and a miss. <laughs> All right. Interest rates. What's next? So interest rates have been at the highest that they've been in almost 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is a big thing. Buckle up. It's a wild ride, guys. So it is a big thing. And I think a lot of it has to do with like inflation and curbing all of that. And honestly, this is even a little bit higher than what we were expecting. Yeah. Um, but I just was at a conference the other week and it was the best line ever was if the Federal Reserve and the head economist for the entire country, the best country in the entire world, has no idea what the hell is going on. 
how do you expect us to know? Yeah. And I mean, it, and it does make sense. And obviously we like don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what is going to actually happen. What we can do is we can look at like past scenarios and say, Hey, you know, interest rates are higher, but they're not theoretically extremely high. It's just, they're extremely high compared to the last 10 years. Yeah. But in, in the grand scope of in things, the grand scope of things, so they're not that high. Um, and what we've seen the last couple of times, we've had major rate hikes. Prices have gone up. I mean, it's it's insane. We have an inventory issue on top of all of it. So, um, but yeah, no, I think I mean, what's going to happen next with real estate, or with what's going to happen next with interest rates? Nobody truly knows. Yeah, we have They're predictions. We things. have expectations. Yeah. We we you know. We know that next year is a presidential election year. We tend to see the interest rates soften on election years because no parties want to offend anybody for an, an unnecessary reason. So we tend to see that the interest rates can soften up. That's something that we've been looking at. We also know that the Fed is very much considering as they go into these final meetings of the year is that they are also understanding that everything going overseas, yeah. going on overseas is playing impact too. And so that realistically, they're taking that into the equations yeah. of what's being done. Originally, we thought that there was going to be one more hike, but now the conversation is they don't know if that's necessarily going to yeah. happen. And unfortunately, we can't really talk about it because there's two more meetings the rest of the year, and tomorrow is the actual meeting yeah. as as of this moment that we're shooting this. Yeah. So we won't really know, but the the thought process now is hopefully pause it, pause, pause that, keep it right here, yes. and then keep it for longer. So maybe next year, not seeing as much of a dip hopefully just maintaining where we're at yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go against you on a little bit on that i do think we're gonna see a dip next year i don't know if it's gonna come as much in the beginning of the year yeah it'll come um, more towards the election uh, the closer we get to the election i think we will see that but the important thing to note is that when we talked about it a lot we're using the opportunities provided with the interest rates right now there's a lot of great mortgage products there's a lot of things that are yeah. going on behind the scenes to make pricing more obtainable to mm -hmm. buy down interest rates to uh, do different types of terms to, there's a lot of interesting yeah. things out there to help curb this because I, I do believe we're going to see some softening. Uh, I'm going to kind of predict that it's going to come a little bit later in Q2 next yeah. year um, from that perspective, but I think we will see it soften up a little bit. Obviously the correct answer is nobody knows. Know. Nobody knows. Um, that's, that's all expectations off of past data that we've been digesting. The state of the world is obviously continually yeah. changing. Um, and if, oh. if, COVID taught me anything. It taught me to understand that I have no idea what might next, what might come next. I have none. You have none. We could be in some really strange places. Yeah. So I think the conversation that we're having, like with a lot of our buyers, though, who are, I, I feel like now for the first time they're having that conversation. There was a while like six percent was like mm, all right, seven yeah. percent. Now that we're now they love six percent again. Now that we're hitting eight, yeah. it is creating some sort of pause for some of my buyers, but it's not necessarily, it's not stopping them. It's just saying, Hey, does this make sense? Yeah. And honestly, the one thing that we keep on telling them is if you can afford it. And if it's a financial decision that you can make at this time, if interest rates go up, you're locked in. If interest rates go down, you refinance, and then you have an affordable payment, but you're already able to afford that payment because we're telling you if you can, don't make yourself house poor. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting time for certain. Um, you know, I always tell the story is back when my my parents were buying. Uh, I think it was their second house. 
they were very excited about their 18% interest rate. My parents were both in oh. real estate. That was the deal they were getting from their preferred lender. So it was 18%. So it's all very, very relative. It feels like a pain point right now. People still need to buy and sell houses though, and that's yep. the reality of it. Oh, totally. Best Amazon home hacks you have bought off there this month. So we have a really funny thing going on in our household. Our girls know when the packages from Amazon come and we do order a lot of stuff. I mean, staples and stuff like that. We're on their monthly subscriber list where you can get a little bit of a discount if oh, you get nice. staples. Okay. Um, they know if it comes to me, it's usually very boring. And they know if it comes to Matt, <laughs> it's very exciting. Like, so I do all the staples for the house. He does all the fun stuff. I think the last thing that came for him was an actual fog machine for his Halloween setup. Um, just to kind of give you the, the zip lines come to him. Everything very fun yeah. comes to him. I get the the shampoos, the deodorants, the that type of stuff. But there's been a couple of things that I, I have purchased lately that I think are really great things or things that I've seen in clients' house. Um, under cabinet lighting that yes. are now the puck lights or the strips remote controlled. So yes. no wiring, no so anything. Good. You can change, you can dim them, you can change the light variations on it. Really easy, rechargeable, motion sensitive for certain. They have rechargeable batteries. Um, so it's a really, really easy upgrade. Yeah. And they start at like $10. Like they start yeah, really, super, really right? cheap. So that's a that's one that I really like. I put them in my closet. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah, that's a, a good idea. Time. I should probably do that with one of ours now that I'm thinking about it. The other thing that I really like, I am kind of a stickler for organization, right? And with kids, it's really, really hard. So hooks in my house are a big thing. Um, decorative hooks. I kind of put them everywhere. The latest place that I, I outfitted um, where you come into our back room, uh, back of the house, huh. there is a walk-in closet and a pantry, but for some mm. reason, the kid's stuff never can make it there. Uh, we <laughs> didn't have enough room to actually put in like a whole mudroom area. Yeah. So I took some decorative hooks. I literally just screwed them into the frame of the window, which is right next to the door. Yeah. It's kid's height. They can hang their backpacks. They can hang their coats. They can hang everything. It's neat. It's tidy. It's literally mm -hmm. made my brain a much happier place with that perspective. Nice. What are some of the things it's that you've been- you've been? there. It's chaos in here. Totally. Um, what about you? Any interesting purchases or stuff like that? Maybe not. You're not as much of an Amazon guy, I know. Yeah, I'm not much of an Amazon person. I get all my staples at Costco, so yeah. like that is always my thing. Yeah. I use Amazon more for clothes, like discounts. Like it's more me. Yeah. Um, but I, I literally just got these Wemo like remotes or not? They're like plugins, and so like they, outlets. Outlets. Okay. That's it. That's the word. Yeah, that's the word. So I got these like Wemo outlets and they literally are on timers. And then I plug like my like little up lights that I got off Amazon as well. Okay. Um, I they, sense a lighting theme here, people. Yeah. And they like go in my uh, plants and then they uplight backlight my plants. And so then are they like smartphone technology or? Smartphone technology. Uh, we're getting yep. somewhere with it now. And guess what? It has turned my place into the sexiest place ever. I adore it. I think it's so pretty. That's awesome. No, yeah. I think lighting is really, really important. The other thing I'd say that I got, that I totally got, I, I was totally marketed on, I got these little hooks for my car. They go over the headrest bars oh, for the back nice. so that I can hang my purse or a coat up behind nice. my seat because I'm always like, where does the purse go when I've got clients in the car and stuff like that? Oh, so little really? hooks for the back of your seats. Um, nice. That was another thing I got. Oh, cool. Awesome. Let's go over um, the Q3 uh, winners and losers. Winning. Losers. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, this is interesting, right? 
We've talked yeah. so much about inventory and so much of this story is, is, about, a, it. is about it, right? Yeah, it's insane. Overall, if we really look at the neighborhoods that we focus on, on average, our inventory year over year from, from, now, from now to a year ago, our inventory is down 30%. 30%. Yeah, 30%. 30% less homes. And let's remember last year, we didn't have enough homes to sell people. Yeah. Uh, so we're 30% less of not enough to begin with. Yeah. Some of our neighborhoods have seen as much as a 50 to 60% drop in inventory. Some of them have been a little bit closer to five to 10, yeah. but it's the resounding story. And why that's so important as we talk about the winners and losers is because our data points are down. Yeah. Each data point has more weight behind it, essentially, because if we're down 50% in the amount of transactions, if we're taking the average purchase price, yep. then that does play into it. That can play into it. So for example, right, we talk a lot about like a single family home. If we're looking at single family homes in a neighborhood yeah. and we have 10 sales that have happened in the last year and seven of them are going to be teardowns that are going to be rebuilt and three of them are new construction. Well, clearly the teardowns are going to be for a lower number. And because we don't have as many data points to balance that out, some of our results are skewed. We always say statistics yeah. you have to take with a grain of salt. And the less data we have, yeah. the more we have to understand. But the resounding story, first and foremost, everyone unfortunately is a little bit losing because our inventory is down so much. But we yeah. definitely have neighborhoods that are performing very, very well because of that limited inventory. Yeah. And we've got some other discussions too. What, have, what yeah. have you noticed in terms of who's winning? So who's winning? Albany Park, Humboldt Park, Westridge. Ah, you called that from the start it. of the that year. That was my thing. Um, Lincoln Square, Uptown, North Center, all of those neighborhoods have seen really successful years. Yeah, their pricing um, is up quite a bit. We see yeah. on average, you know, some of them are just 5 to 10%. Some of them are definitely higher, but yeah. taking with a grain of salt. Yeah. Those are the ones that are seeing the most overall average price growth year over year. Yeah. Well, and I mean, some of them are kind of like fringe neighborhoods, like Albany Park, I feel like is still this neighborhood that is so misunderstood <laughs> almost like I feel like it's having just an identity those, crisis. I feel like it's just one of those neighborhoods that it got hit really like it went really well during the pre recession. And then during the recession, it got hit really hard. Yep. And it's still kind recovering. of figuring out who he wants to be when it grows up. Yeah, it's still recovering. I mean, the good thing about it is you have the east side of Albany Park, which is just off of Lake Lincoln Square, and then you have the west side, and I feel like those two aspects also change it, too. Well, technically, Ravenswood Manor factors in there, too, yeah. which is very different than the rest yeah, of Albany totally. Park. But I think that kind of the important thing to note on that, right, you said Lincoln Square and North Center. Those are neighborhoods that have done very well because of the single-family homes, right? As people start saying, as affordability gets tougher and tougher, those are lovely neighborhoods where you're not paying the absolute premium to get into those neighborhoods. You're still paying a lot of money, don't get me wrong, yeah. but the, the overall price of a single family home started at a little bit better of an entry level for it. So it's, it's not surprising yeah. to me that those went up. And I think you're absolutely right. The Albany Parks, the Humboldt Parks, the Uptowns and the Westridge. Um, I think that those are neighborhoods that have just in general shown a little bit more affordability. Yeah. And as people's budgets are a little bit tightened because of the, the current environment, they're looking for options, right? Midwestern yeah. values say we want to look for value yep. um, from that perspective. And so we, it doesn't surprise me that those neighborhoods have done well. Now, yeah. on the other side, what, what, have, what are things that haven't been performing quite as well? What have you seen? Uh, it sounds like Edgewater, near North, North Park, and then near West Side. Hmm. So essentially the downtown markets, which is River North, near North, Gold Coast. Yep. 
Cabrini Green, Old Town, that near West Side is, you know, West, West Loop. Loop. West it, Loop. It's Tri Taylor. I mean, it's the medical district. I mean, it's all right there. So well, it's I'm interesting. You surprised. take you take you know half of that group is the downtown stuff, right? Very totally. close to downtown, yeah. and we've said it unfortunately Different. that that downtown doesn't have as much of a a priority to people those higher end markets are definitely the properties are sitting a little bit more it's it's not it's not as there's not as much momentum in that market which is absolutely being felt yeah i mean like when you look at the inventory it's actually really interesting because i was pulling statistics on it the other day and the inventory for river north was at the highest during the pandemic similar to when we were in the recession huh and we're interesting correlation we're finally caught up. So yeah. now it's at a standard rate of inventory. Yeah. It's like six months. But those neighborhoods are absolutely right. They're, they're starting to come down. The yeah. inventory is balanced, as you're saying, Down-down. which is great to see, but they're not performing as well. Some totally. of these markets are a little bit more on the flatter side yeah. because of that. And it's also interesting to me is that with the exception of North Park, that's going to be a little bit more of a residential neighborhood. But even if you throw Edgewater yeah. in the mix, a lot of Edgewater, you have more high rises. You have more of those types of buildings. And we've seen a little bit of a migration from that yeah. style of living just in general, right? Yeah, people totally. still love it. People aren't giving up on high rises. But for some people, it was a little bit more outdoor space, an extra an extra bedroom, maybe yeah. not wanting to pay well, the assessment and, costs. And Edgewater is talking about like the single family homes mm-hmm. as well, because you do have like a couple yes. pockets of single family homes and those are really down this year as yeah. well. So yeah, just in the fact really that you don't have them. So yes, we have winners and losers, so to say. I think the, yeah. the moral of the story is that our data is what it is um, the, and it doesn't tell the full story. Yeah, but the good thing also is like overall in Chicago, we saw a four point, I think it was 4.2% appreciation yeah. over the- It's a big year for us. Yeah, so I mean- Steady. Like, but big. It's steady. It's what we expect to see in Chicago is a, is a very nice, not double digits, just... Well, and the nice easy. thing is, is if you think back on it, right, a couple, if we track back, right, in terms of our overall appreciation, I think the first year of COVID, we were just under 8%. The second year of COVID, we were actually just under 4%. So we're actually outperforming, right, as we kind yep. of track our numbers in 2023, we're outperforming last year, Yep. which is once again, the story is, is that we don't have enough homes to sell people. Yeah. Crazy. It's time for our first ever Neighborhood Spotlight. Neighborhood Spotlight. I'm very excited Ooh, about I know. this one. So Logan Square, this is your hot spot. You know, it's so funny. So uh, technically, when we bought our house 17 years ago, we are literally on the border of Avondale and Logan Square. But 17 years ago, nobody knew what Avondale was. They'd never heard of it. They thought yeah. it was a TV show from many, many moons ago. <laughs> so... Because anytime we said, hey, we're actually on the Avondale border by a, a few houses, we would just naturally tell people Logan, Logan Square, Square because not only is it easier, but we utilize all of Logan Square because yeah. we're actually closer to most of it. We're just a couple blocks from the boulevard. Yeah. Um, so it's always been a little bit of our hood, even though we're technically on, on the fringe of it, so to yes. say, which was part of our investment strategy back then. Logan Square is a neighborhood that I always joke and say, if you knew how many real estate advisors bought into and live in the neighborhood over the last 20 years, most people would be pretty surprised. Um, I know a lot of, of agents that have, have kind of invested in their own personal self in the totally. neighborhood. Um, and there's so much great things to about it. For me, it's a combination, a ton of green space, right? Nobody does boulevards, boulevards. like Logan Square, right? You've got a couple yeah. of main boulevards. And as I explained to people that don't live in the city, our boulevards are parks, right? During the summer, during the nice weather, they you're driving- built because of that they were exactly. supposed to actually connect the parks when the world fair was around yes 
So we still use them as parks. I always remember when I first moved into the neighborhood and I'm driving my mom down the boulevard and she goes, <laughs> what are these people all doing hanging out in the street? Because there were people picnicking and playing yeah. with their dogs and their kids and everything. And I said, actually, we're driving through their park right now. Um, so I think the boulevard is just, A, such an asset, um, so beautiful. I think the culinary scene has just absolutely exploded over there. Blown up. Right? Once again, fantastic food. Um, my personal favorite is probably Lula Cafe. Uh, it's You've just, always loved that. It's a staple. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, a lot of good things come and go. They're seasonal. They change their menu. They've got a little bit for everybody. And the food is always top notch. And the people yeah. are good, right? I like I totally. like the people that run it. They're very, very invested in the community as yeah. well. Um, fun fact is one of my favorite things to do in Logan Square is actually the Halloween parade. It's super fun. <laughs> Everybody gets together really? by the monument. They march. It's like two city blocks, the whole parade. They shut down the streets. Okay. And you end up at Lula Cafe, and the owners oh. serve fresh cookies and cider to wow. the whole community. It's amazing. Oh um, yeah, they've got a band playing. It's it's just a super fun time. It's, yeah. There's a very tight-knit community in Logan Square. Um, mm -hmm. Great food. Transportation is, is absolutely top-notch. You've got Blue Line. You've got easy access to the highway. The highway right now, bane of my existence, but overall, yeah, 10th Street. It'll be better. It'll get better someday, please. Um, so you've got that. You've got a multitude of different types of houses. Yeah. Um, housing in general is great. Uh, you know, on that topic, a lot of history in Logan Square, right? It's known for their mm. graystone properties, their yeah, old Victorian so properties. You have, you know, I'd say the hardest part for me for Logan Square, the condo market is smaller, right? It we is. don't have a ton of condos in the area. So we've got a lot of small investment type buildings, a lot of small multi-units, two to four yep. units. We've got single family homes, um, a few townhouse complexes, not a ton. Uh, and then the condo market is a little bit smaller. They've been trying to push some new construction yeah. to try and get that up in there. But it, it's it, we moved into the neighborhood, as I, I've said before, as an investment. Yep. Um, we fixed up the house. When we got to the point where we were going to sell it, we realized we loved where we lived and we wanted to raise our family there. It's very, very diverse. You have a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and it's been a it's been a fantastic place uh, for us to live, and it's a fantastic place to introduce people to. Yeah. What are some of your favorite things in Logan Square? I love the food scene. Right. I mean, that for me, the food scene is like anywhere. The food scene and the drink scene. Yeah, the cocktails. Oh my God, Meadowlark. Have you been? I have not. Um, it's just south of like the California stop. Okay. Um, but it is like this little speakeasy. It is so good. Yeah. Like the cocktails are perfect. And Speaking then, of that location, Bang Bang Pie Shop. Oh really yeah, it's fantastic. so good too. Yeah, yeah I've really been there. good. Oh my god! I remember my worst Logan Square experience was. <laughs> I thought we were talking about best of Logan Square. Well, okay. you want to know worst. what my worst yes. one was? Uh, literally New Year's Eve, I went to a New Year's party there, <laughs> and that night it was like two hundred dollars for like an Uber to get back from Logan Square to River North. And I don't know why, but why you didn't take the train? I didn't take the train, so I decided to walk all the way home. You know, I'm just like one of those like you were, I'm sure, very clear, like, consciously thinking at that time. Yeah, that I was like, okay, cool. I'm just gonna walk home. It's such a pretty night out. It was not yeah. snowing or anything like that. It was just like one of those nice nights. Yeah. But I was like, oh my god, 
this is going to be a long walk. It actually wasn't that bad. A lot of the elementary schools are performing really well. Brentano yeah. uh, is, a, is a big one that we see. People <laughs> are very excited about. So schools are a big deal. It's just a, it's a, it's kind of fun because it's, you've got it's, everything urban that you want, yeah. but it's got also a little bit of the greenery, a little bit of a slower pace if you yeah. want. I think, it, I just feel like it's changed so much. I mean, like 20 years ago when I moved to the city, like it's so different now. Yeah, no, it, it's like I said, we've been in our house now for 17 years and <laughs> it's a, it's very different. Yeah. My very first list, one of my very first listings was a crack house in Lone Square. <laughs> Was that on your property disclosure? <laughs> it was not. No, it was not. Oh my god! And the guy had like no. That's right. They 15, they updated it they to match later. They had fifteen pit bulls. I was like, oh my gosh! But I we got it sold. Right where there's a will, there's a way. But yeah, that was. <laughs> but we've like, but it's so nice like going from then like so long ago and then seeing the change in the neighborhood For and certain. it's like so fun to like now see like. Yeah, and I mean, and to be fair, there's there, the, because it's changed so much, there's still a couple of little pockets of Logan Square yeah. that are still in transition, right? Yeah. That's the nature of what we see. Most of those I've found are a little bit farther from transportation, right? Oh. Those are going to be the areas oh, yeah, that yeah, change yeah. over last. But, I mean, there's been a ton of commercial that's come in. There's a ton of great lifestyle. There's a lot of, um, a lot of aspects for everything. And yeah. where we talk negatively about it, the, the bike lane usage in Logan Square is oh very, it's very biker-friendly. Yeah, I didn't know what you meant by it, and then I started driving around over there a little bit more and actually, like, paying attention to it, and I was like, okay. Yeah. It's very interesting, but it's, so it's, it's great. I mean, if as a biker, as a biker, it's amazing. Yeah, we'll see. But, yeah. Anyways, Logan Square, close to my heart. Yeah, Logan Square is awesome. I've, I've actually, I do have to admit, a long time ago, I did not like Logan Square. Is and it because you didn't like, because you didn't know it, or you didn't like it? I liked it. But it just was so far away from the lake, and I didn't understand why somebody would want to live that far away from the lake because I was an east sider. Yeah. And then all of it, like, I feel like over the years, they've just put so much into the community yeah. that it has really. Well, like, I mean, we it, didn't even mention it's, it's, the 606. I mean, yeah, it's definitely has changed my viewpoint on the neighborhood. For so, sure. I mean, that has to be like, I get a crown, or they get a crown. I don't know. Logan's produced crown. Everyone gets a crown. Crowns for everybody. Um, okay, cool. Here's a very, very poignant one. Buying and selling in 2024, what should somebody be doing now? We always talk about like strategizing for your purchase or for your sale. The quicker like you come to us, the more we can get more things done. I know we're taking photos for people who are looking to sell next year, just because A, then we have it gives them flexibility, right? So if something happens and you need to move a little bit sooner, we're not jostling at the last minute to kind of come up with this strategy. We have everything that's there. Right yeah, now. I mean, I think realistically, and I feel like this is a conversation, whether you're talking about buying and selling next year or whatever, I think in general, consumers are nervous or afraid to reach out to their real estate advisors too far in advance. Kind yeah. of, I don't want to waste your time, Amanda. I don't, I'm not quite ready yet. Truth be told, I would love everybody to come to me a year in advance and say, here's what I'm planning to do in the next 12 months. What, how, what's our plan? Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be amazing. Obviously, that can't happen. People's lives change at, at moment's yeah. notice, and we do whatever we do it is. That. But the reality is, is that I think people need to understand that we prefer to be involved in the process as soon as the questions start coming up, as soon yep. as the thought process is, is 
hey, we're talking to people now that we're putting in a strategy to say, okay, you're just buying, you're not selling. Maybe we use the election next year as something yeah. to, to play into that. Maybe we kind of plan towards that. What do you need to do with your rental now? What do you need to do with your house now? Yeah. There's so many questions that without being a part of the plan, consumers can't understand kind of the market dynamic and how that's going to impact what they do. But we can, and most people are going to be very surprised when they hear our spring market will start at the end of January. At the yeah. end of January, we will be in what we consider our spring market. It won't feel like it. It'll be bitter cold, but we will be singing spring market right then. So I think a lot of people, just because they don't understand those pieces, because they yeah. shouldn't, right? They have absolutely yeah. no reason to. Um, I think that they're sometimes a little bit slow to to reach out, yep. partly because they don't want to, partly because they think that they're going to impede us because they're not ready. Absolutely. Reach out as soon as the thought process crosses the mind. And we mm -hmm. might say, hey, let's sit tight for, for this. Let's talk about yeah. this now or let's do this. But if there's work to be done, if there's pictures that need to be taken, if there's anything that we can do to get ahead of the game, we love to be prepared because yeah. prepared gives us the ability to really do what we do best. Yeah. Um, and once again, we can, we, can, we can sling it with the best of them. We can kind of roll and shift and change and pivot and do all that yeah. stuff. But um, I think the number one thing that buyers and sellers can be doing is uh, figuring out their team, connecting with their real estate yeah. agent, um, connecting with a lender, kind of getting, getting a team assembled to make sure that they're making the smartest decisions in the new year. Yeah, I a thousand percent agree. Awesome. <laughs> that awesome. was easy. That was easy. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, that's all we got for, for today. Yeah, um, oh it's my gonna, God, it was a good episode. It was a good Hopefully. episode, obviously. Until, uh, until next time, Chicago. Until next time.